Welcome. Today is the first of our four summer break special episodes from A Cup of Gratitude. Whenever I take a break between seasons, I plan ahead to gift you with something special, personal, and powerful. Today, I'm sharing a piece that I wrote called In the Garden and sharing the beautiful music of my good friend and Christian music artist, Laurel Taylor. Laurel and her parents have all been guests on my show, sharing their perspectives of their powerful stories, and I'm her biggest fan after her mom and dad. I'm excited to share her newest song with you called Mama Prayed. If you don't know Laurel from listening to the show, she is an artist and singer-songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee, originally from Alabama. She made her move to Music City 10 years ago, right after turning 18, and from the American Idol stage to Tootsie's on Broadway to the local church leading worship, her voice and sound speaks to every crowd. Laurel carries an excellent stage presence and live show performance everywhere she goes, and she has a raw country sound ministry mindset, and her own unique style. Laurel uses her life stories to speak to people through her music and intentionally writes for everyone that listens. I can't wait to share her story with you. Let's get started with In the Garden. Sometimes I try to imagine what it was like in the garden with Adam and God. Being literally made from the rib of my husband and Adam having been formed by God's hands and breathed into by the very God who had created him. We would have been surrounded by beautiful animals and plants of all sorts. And of course, we were able to walk around naked without embarrassment or shame. That means that the temperature would have been perfect, not too hot, not too cold. There was no such thing as rain or snow, no heat waves or hailstorms. It was literally paradise. Honestly, not needing snow boots, hats, scarves, mittens, that sounds fantastic to me. Isn't it strange there are times when we need to put on more clothes to walk outside? So many things have changed since Adam and Eve walked and talked in the cool of the afternoon with God. How peaceful and joyful it must have been. And yet it turns out that it just wasn't enough for them. These days we have crime, taxes, illness, and death. And don't forget the sin that brought them all to life. If only I could have experienced the serenity, the holiness of the Garden of Eden but we can't kid ourselves. If we were there, we would have done the same thing, traded in paradise for a big fat helping of fallenness. We were created to worship God and to be in relationship with him, but with one sinister whisper, with one poignantly twisted truth, we entered into the darkness, into separation from the only one that ever truly loved us. So why did we waver? Why did we doubt? Why did we want to be equal to the one who created us? What problem did the human find with what God said was good? I guess we have to start with the serpent. Why was he there? What was his agenda? This enemy of man was made beautiful. His given name was Lucifer, which in Hebrew means shining one, the light bearer. And he became Satan, which means adversary. The angels were created before the earth was. The Bible says they were present as God set the world into place. 
Satan is described as an angel who rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven with other fallen angels before the creation of mankind. Ezekiel 28, 14 through 18, and Isaiah 14, 12 through 17 are the key scriptures that support this understanding. And in the New Testament, in Luke 10, 8, Jesus himself states that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In all three of the Abrahamic religions, Satan is identified as the serpent in the Genesis account, and he is described as tempting Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. Thus, he was the catalyst of the fall of humankind. The reason for Lucifer's fall from grace was pride. He wanted for himself the worship that was meant only for God. Already fallen, he found no greater purpose than to attack man. After his fall, God made a new creation to worship him, but this time he made them in his own image, and he used his very hands, his sacred breath, in the process. Satan hated us with new veracity then. His desire is to hurt as many of these children of God as he can before his time comes to an end. Not only wasn't he never meant to be an actual part of God's family, but Jesus never made a way for him to return to a harmonious relationship with God. No, these people God had made were clearly different, and our enemy's jealousy began to harden him even more, killing whatever was left of his darkly twisted heart. And since that time, we have had an adversary whose intent is to find ways to separate us from God, too. He's known as the father of lies. And since lying is his native language, we need to know the truth of God. So let me ask you, what are areas in your life that you give this enemy a place to whisper his lies to you? Fear and doubt seem to be at an overwhelming all-time high in the world today. God's truth has been traded in for whatever whimsy one feels beholden to that day. Whatever one believes must be the truth, they say. Whatever makes you happy must be good, they shout. Whatever you want is your truth, even when it defies reality. Truth, my friends, is fixed. It's eternal, and it existed before angels and men were created. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He was with God and the Holy Spirit when God was making the earth. He is the example that we are to test our lives by. He is the living word of God Almighty. He is the compass we must follow when we are lost in the wilderness. He is the foundation we must build our lives on. He is the embodiment, the essence, the origin of truth for all of creation, even for our enemy. Truth is far more than facts. It is not just something we act upon. It acts upon us. We cannot change the truth, but the truth can change us. Why do you think God didn't make a way for the devil to come back to him? Why wasn't he given another chance after he sinned? As far as we know from the Bible, this angel committed the very first sin. There is no other mention of fall in this other than the angels who fell from heaven and Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. 
Lucifer was banished from God's presence. And I often wonder, why didn't God destroy Satan? If God had destroyed Satan, then the remaining angels might have continued serving him out of fear and not out of love as before, defeating the very purpose of his creating them and giving choice. He had created beings with the power to choose, but no one had dared to challenge that God's way was best before. I believe God gave Satan a chance to test his alternative system. And what if God actually allowed him to make his pitch to Adam and Eve? In turn, this planet became a testing ground where the character of Satan and the character of God are posed to us all. Who is right? Who can we really trust? And God knows that eventually everyone will see that the wages of sin are death and that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God awaits everyone's understanding of the difference between the two. God wants to resolve forever the issue of sin and suffering, but he's waiting until he can do it on a permanent basis because he is also just. He's waiting until he can both preserve our free will and prevent evil from ever happening again. What a beautiful thing. He came himself sacrificially to provide for those men and women who would choose Christ as their Lord and Savior, for those who would see the goodness and perfection of God's character and plan. He came for those who would be willing to declare their need for Jesus, for those for whom there would be redemption and forgiveness in the sin cycle, for those who would repent and return to God. There would be forgiveness and freedom by the atonement of the blood of Christ. But for those who live continuing in the prideful selfishness that rejects God, for those who don't want to follow the rules and precepts of their Creator, there is still the choice to refuse Him. The repercussions of those choices are still indeed ultimately death, separation from God forever. But because the enemy is so good at deceiving, at poking at our selfish bent, he has won many a human over to death. His desire is to separate as many of us from God as possible. He began by separating angels from God who believed him and were also cast down for their rebellion. He will never be satisfied. Ever. For all of eternity, he will live unquenched, and the God who created him will prevail. Many will know the saving grace and sacrificial love of Jesus. Since sin has affected the natural world around us as well, it too was originally created as good. But Romans 8, 20 through 21 says, For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Suffering comes as a consequence of our sinful choices. Galatians 4, 1 through 2 states, God will not be mocked, and for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
And James 1.14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Suffering comes from the fallenness of creation, and suffering also comes from the enemy who hates us. Sometimes, God even permits suffering to make us stronger, but he doesn't initiate suffering. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, may you also be glad with exceeding joy. James 1, 2-3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing that Jesus suffered here on earth as well gives us a safe place to go, and knowing that he suffered at the hands of evil too allows us to trust him fully. He is always available to help us, and he sympathizes with us, calling us to come boldly to his throne of grace where we can cast all of our cares on him. He can bring us peace beyond our own understanding through his very presence. The opposite of pride is humility, and we must approach him knowing who he is and what he went through for us. Ultimately, God has a plan. He is in control, but he allows our hearts to choose. There are moments when we fall. Sometimes there are seasons when we squander the lives that we've been offered in foolishness and selfishness. But when we've been given a place to turn, when we realize that that is God, that we realize what Jesus did, we have been offered forgiveness and mercy, and we have been chosen and loved over and over again. Jesus did not have to come and pay the price for our sins. He wanted to. And as we traverse this crazy world filled with tragedy, suffering, and temptation, each of us is offered a grace that transcends this fallen place. In Christ, we can have peace and joy even in the worst of circumstances. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rise and turn and walk with God instead of challenging his character, authority, and holiness. God loves us because he loves us, and he is faithful and just. We can enter into the family of God as our father, provider, and protector, as our source. We still get a choice. And until the day that Christ returns to take us home, where we will be made new, we can choose every moment to trust in the one who truly loves us. Jesus has promised that he will return and make all things new. Then there will be no more disease, disasters, suffering, sadness, or death. We do not know the day or the hour of his return, but for everyone who trusts in him, it will be a day of great joy. Every day is really a day in the garden. Every moment we can choose to enjoy the goodness provided for us by God or to listen to the insidious whispers of the enemy and our own crooked hearts. The choice is yours, and God will never take that choice away until the moment that the final trumpet sounds 
and then you will have to stand by your choice. Then there will be no changing your mind. You will receive exactly what you have asked for, either a savior and a relationship with God or an eternity of death and suffering without him. Do not be deceived. You get to choose. But let me ask you an even more daunting question. Let's say you have chosen Jesus as Lord and Savior, but someone you love isn't choosing him too. I want to remind you that your prayers for them are powerful. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We are righteous when we accept Jesus as our Lord. And from that place, we are to cry out to God because he uses our prayers to change the world. This doesn't mean we will receive everything we pray for, but God's word tells us to pray. The book of James ends with a call to prayer. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. In other words, if prayer can help someone who's sick, battling sin or suffering for any other reason, pray because God listens to the cries of his children. I believe that it always is God's will to heal. But I think when we pray for healing, sometimes what happens is internal heart healing, spirit healing that we can't see. But what about people who die of cancer, commit suicide, ebb away in addiction, or never seem to be healed? This prayer of faith from James is often misunderstood. Are we really promised healing if we pray in faith? Or could God be talking about the healing that comes in eternity when we are finally free of sin, disease, and sadness? What is God trying to tell us? I think here are two important questions. One, when are we to pray? James encourages us to pray all of the time, whether we're walking through hills or valleys. We are to be dependent on the Lord. Two, does the prayer of faith promise healing? We know other scriptures say differently. Paul pleaded three times with God to remove the thorn in his side. Even Christ asked God if it were possible to remove his suffering. Yet the Father willed his suffering and brutal death that we might be forgiven of our sin. God always knows the big picture. God offers us something greater than physical healing, though. He offers spiritual healing and forgiveness of sins. He may choose to heal our physical bodies or allow his glory to be shown in suffering. But one day, God will raise us up with new bodies. Our hope is not in earthly healing, but in spiritually healing and in the eternity that we have been promised with God to come. The point is, we are all called to pray, not knowing the way that God will answer, but always trusting in the goodness and faithfulness of his unchanging character. Laurel Taylor's mother prayed. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed, even when it seemed like nothing was happening. She trusted in the goodness of God 
And one day her daughter came home. God now uses Laurel's testimony and talents to reach a multitude for his kingdom. She was lost, but now she is found through the powerful prayers of a believing mama and the sacrificial love of a father God who had been pursuing her all along. God loves you, and it's up to you if you choose him. Just a girl and her guitar Everything I had in the back of a beat-up car Mama standing there so scared watching her baby leave She knew she had to let me go Cause you can't grow these dreams on an old dirt road Called you every day to fill you Every disappointment and every little win You were strong and you were brave You fought the fight, you kept the faith All those years, all night, all day You talked to God You remembered who I was when I forgot the darkest places I was safe cause my mama prayed late night stage lights playing every bar downtown so caught up trying to find my place couldn't see I was losing my way Waking up so drunk, stumbling to the bathroom sink Last night's makeup running down my face And a guilty feeling cold water can't wash away Calls once a day, turn to twice a year I tried to hide the pain from you But you saw it all so clear You were strong and you were brave You fought the fight, you kept the faith All those years, all night, all day You talked to God You remembered who I was when I forgot Even in the darkest places I was safe Cause my mama prayed All those years I tried to do it by myself So afraid of what you'd say If I ever asked for help All those nights I thought that I was all an angel in my corner watching over me all along you were strong you were brave you fought the fight you kept the faith all those years all night all day you talked to God you remember 
safest places I was safe Cause my mama prayed My mama prayed Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.